Oh, oh, one more thing. Just One More Thing, a podcast about Columbo. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris, and on this episode, we'll be discussing Candidate for Crime, originally broadcast on November 4th, 1973, directed by Boris Segal, written by Irv Perlberg, Alvin R. Friedman, Roland Kibbe, Dean Hargrove, and Larry Cohen. Five writers, R.J. That's that's not a good sign. Some of the scenes felt like that, so yeah. Yeah. And starring Jackie Cooper, Joanne Linville, Tisha Sterling, Ken Swafford, Vito Scotti, and, of course, Peter Falk as Columbo. Each time we have a special guest. We're bringing back J.D. Riznar, actor, writer, podcaster, creator. But before we talk to him, John... Yes, sir. Tell us all about the California Human Relations Society, won't you? I'll do what I can. Here's something, RJ, I'm sure that none of us are fucking bone-tired to death of. Elections! Yeah, right. Yeah. Politics! Scandals! It's about time we got ourselves a little bit of that. Jackie Cooper is incredibly made-up name-sounding Nelson Hayward, a tough-talking candidate for the office of senator for the great state of California. Unfortunately, Nelson's got scandals. What kind of a scandal? Private email servers? Financial beholdings to foreign powers? Rampant frog? Gross sexual misconduct? Nope. He's just plowing abroad. And later he kills a dude. And I'll take it. That sounds fine. I'll take it. It's fine. With his career on the upswing, Hayward is threatening it all by slyly shacking up with campaign assistant Linda Johnson. His longtime campaign manager, Harry Stone, puts the kibosh on the tomfoolery, so Hayward arranges rumors of his own upcoming assassination, decks Stone out in his own clearly-too-small-for-him suit jacket, and gives him the business from the shadows at his beach house. What's the well-known, soon-to-be senator's alibi? It's a surprise party thrown for his wife, a woman who drinks gin by the growler and decks herself out in diaphanous gowns which make wet Kleenex look like parka material. Frankly, she seems like fun. When Columbo begins to pry apart the scheme, Hayward attempts to stage an assassination on his own life, but fails to take into account like a whole bunch of things, which was his sole mistake. Can Columbo veto this murderer's plot, or does the whole thing go to recounts in three swing states so that it interminably drags on and I choose to live in a hole? Okay, okay. Okay. I may John, have started okay. I may have I may have started talking about something else there it's for okay, a second. John. Anyway, Columbo, candidate for crime. Come on, RJ. Let's yeah, do this. Yeah, that's Woo! right. You know, and, and also, as we record this on December eighth, uh, the year of our Lord, twenty sixteen, um, uh, we just had a bit of a presidential election. And so, yeah, that's yeah. It's kind of a reason this this one was chosen to talk about this directly after after our hiatus. So, yeah, uh, JD, welcome back to the program. How you doing, sir? Good. How are you guys? Uh, all right. Uh, there's one thing uh, we kind of want to talk about a bit uh, outside of this episode. Uh, it just came to our attention the last week or so uh, that uh, Netflix, for like the last several years, you've been able to see. All of the 70s Columbos, every single last one of them, uh, not the 90s ones, because, good Lord, why would you? But the 70s ones, (laughs) the original ones, they're all there. Um, As of January 1st, they are leaving Netflix. uh, I saw that. I noticed that. Yeah, we have not been able to discern uh, if any other streaming service will be picking it up. Uh, But as soon as we do find that out, uh, we will let you know. Uh, Keep an eye on that. Uh, the DVDs, of course, are available on Amazon, um, and I think uh, MeTV, uh, the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries channel, they're both running Columbo episodes. I think MeTV, 
uh, starting January is going to actually be running the 90s ones as well. Uh, but as soon as he picks, somebody picks him up so you can stream them, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll let you know. All uh, ten people listening to this, you will, you will find out. So that aside, that business, let's talk about this candidate for crime. He's and a this... good candidate for crime, as you think about it. He yeah, says no, what he's so it's a good title. Do. That's a good title. Yeah. He's, mm-hmm. his, he's his own man, according to his giant, giantly fonted. Well, he's posters. only candidate for he's only candidate for crime for like the first five minutes, and then he he actually won crime. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Sacramento. Forty-eight <laughs> exactly. percent of Sacramento's reporting uh, that they are good with his crime. Yes. Twenty-eight uh, percent of <laughs> precincts are reporting yeah. that he committed a crime. So, um, California out there, would would California be voting for a guy like this? Some sort of because I I kind of fuzzy You're on. You're kidding. Well, yeah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, forget it. Yeah. Actually, no, you're right, because uh, it's California, it's 1974, we're, we're smacking Jerry Browntown, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, really? So there's kind of like this uh, very liberal swing to it. Well, I know, but then, uh, I th- wait, when is Reagan the governor? Reagan's Reagan's governor, though, so... Frank Reagan oh, okay. might be governor in 74. If not Reagan, Jerry Brown's dad was governor around that time, it's right. a little fuzzy of when... Yeah, 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 so... Uh, it was indeed but, Ronald um, Reagan. Good call, good yeah, call, y'all. Yeah, so it would be... Kind of heading towards a very conservative thing. So this guy who kind of puts himself out there as a sort of, he's his own man, probably tough on crime kind of situation. Mm-hmm. He'd probably do very well in his district for the Senate seat, I would guess. But also just kind of a very smarmy uh, dick, it seems, <coughs> at all yes. times. And Jackie yeah. Cooper, Jackie Cooper is very good at playing it, I think. He he is. Something came to came to my attention though, uh maybe the second or third time I watched this one. And I have to wonder if it wasn't written for Robert Culp. Oh jeez, he would have been great as this, yeah. He well... would have been great. But there yeah, there's a couple of, of scenes and lines where Jackie Cooper seems to be emulating that kind of frustrated aggression. But the thing and is, I can I think for the gregarious sort of like Hey, happy nice guy when he has to be the candidate and he has to be on. I don't think Culp would have been able to do that. I That's think true. You, needed, you needed somebody uh, very trustworthy looking, trustworthy seeming like Jackie Cooper who the audience could identify with him being like that, having played this kind of guy for since like the 1920s. So right. it seems like actually it was kind of good casting. Like, oh, I'd vote for old Jackie Cooper. He was the kid way back when. He was a little rascal, Sure. He's fine, very kind of affable and friendly, except when he's in private, and he's just a, a kind of a bastard. Yeah. All right, I'll take it worked, that. It worked well. He had a good. He had a good politician smile. Yes, that's the thing. Yes, he was able to do the. He was able to play a politician very well, turning on the charm when he needed to. And then, but it was still visible when he was kind of frustrated when the charm wasn't working. You can't kind of still see it on right. his face very well. I thought. I think that's maybe what I was thinking of Culp when he's doing that. Well, Columbo, uh, the, the, he would have gone to the gas station. Kind of, I could see Culp laying that stuff out and trying to sound like he's on Columbo's side while just sandbagging him. But one of the creepiest things for uh, Jackie Cooper and Nelson Hayward in this, as he's shooting his campaign manager, he's smiling. Oh, yeah. He's relishing it. He's relishing being able to put like a few bullets into this fat bastard he's just completely happy with it I beg your pardon oh, i'm sorry but oh, boy. <laughs> we don't he just realized how much that. he looks like a he realized how much he looks like a bootleg uh george kennedy and it, it made him chuckle 
exactly. He's oh, always he had like a George poor man. Kennedy. Poor man. A poor man's George Kennedy. It's like, yeah, we couldn't afford he's, George Kennedy, so we got him. He's in those fancy. He's got it in. Movies. He's got it in for everybody in airport. He just wants to go down the list. Yeah. Airport seventy seven. The whole cast. So, um, story wise, kind of watching this, there are some s- parts of it that feel a little kind of padded and stretched out, like they didn't need to be as long as they were. And yet this isn't one of the two-hour episodes. It's one of the 90-minute ones. And yet it felt like a two-hour episode to me a bunch of times. You guys feel J.D., like, how do you feel about that? <laughs> we're so like rusty. When, when he gets pulled over for the car inspection? Yeah, that's definitely thing? one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. there's three things. Like the, the car uh, inspection deal uh, at the um, tailor, the suit place, that goes on a long time. And then also the dentist. Like, those three scenes, like, I didn't feel like those needed to be there at all. It was weird. You'd feel like the dentist would have come back somehow, but he never did. Like, there's some dental records involved in this case. Right, because the other two, I felt like padding, but it actually ended up helping with the crime. Because, I mean, the the suit thing, he was there for that. It helped him kind of figure out uh, what, what Jack Huber's up to. And getting stopped for the inspection. Yeah, he had to go to the inspection place, but... That actually gave him another clue. Whereas a dentist, eh, nothing. He just says a dentist keeps late hours, and that's it. I do like the <laughs> dentist bit, though. I really like that. You know, you're a cop or any cops in the mafia? I like that bit. Yes. It was, it was a it funny was, it was bit. It was a good bit. But, yeah, it didn't seem super... Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't do anything for the plot. No, it doesn't do anything for the mystery at all. If if it turned out that there were, like, some... <laughs> the last shot of the episode should have been two cops... Like, they just do a slow camera pan on two cops turning to face each other, and they do the secret mafia handshake or something. <laughs> just to turn out, there are cops in the mafia. Or they've got those uh, old-fashioned uh, uh, rags around their heads, like they've got a impacted tooth or something. <laughs> I don't know. So they've all been to the dentist. All yeah, right. I don't know what the hell it is. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, Colombo, do you know what dentist is? <laughs> exactly, <right>? yes. <laughs> I know just, just the guy. Do some ADR on fact, that. I do. Yes. Oh, one thing that's this actually... Episode, oh, sorry, go ahead. This episode does just end with Columbo going, you're under arrest. And there yeah. could have been a dentist bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wrote that down that the ending is rather blunt, given everything that came before. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no protestation at all from Jackie Cooper. It just, it's just pretty much he's reacting facially, and that's it. Then you're done. Finished. It's such a it's such a good, like, zing, though. It's maybe one of my favorite Columbo really? getting the guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just because I like the idea, like, Cooper is being so obvious about, or Hayward, I should say, because this is in character, he's being so obvious about, yes, I did it, but I'm showing you how you can't prove it. And he gets to the bit about, dig the bullet out of that wall, and Columbo says, I did. Yes, that mm-hmm. is that, good, yes. Just a, oh, it was a beautiful takedown of the knees. Which I, on an, uh, yeah. On an uneven episode, I genuinely love the ending. Uneven, that's a good way to put it. There, there are things in this thing that I liked a lot, and there are things where I was mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, yeah, all right, sure. Why not? Five five people wrote it, so okay. I, I still can't believe. It. Yeah, I don't know who did what. That that's the thing that surprised me because you don't see that often with Columbo, where you've got so many people with writing credits. Our young uh, friend but, JD has written a few TV shows. Perhaps he can he can illuminate it for us. Well, I didn't see the I didn't see the writing credits. If there's ampersands and the word and, that means different things. Like if it's if two writers are connected by an ampersand, that means they're a writing team. Okay. Uh, and then if the mm-hmm. word and is out there, it means that they're different entities. But with a TV show, 
you tend to have a writing staff. I'm sure Columbo mostly farmed and freelanced the scripts out. Right, but at the but they same still, time, I think they still had a room, though. They still had a room. Right. Yeah. Okay, so it would have passed through the hands of different writers, maybe, and enough did enough stuff in it that they gave them all credit. Like, yeah. a lot of times, the executive producer of a show might take credit for every script, even though most generously give the credit to other writers, even though they've done all the rewriting. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, this just might be a situation where a lot of people had their hands on it, and everybody deserved a little bit of credit. Yeah, well, yeah. Who did who did what? There's no there's no way to tell. People exactly, probably right. just took That's different so... passes at the drafts. And... Yeah. Well, what's neat is with that information, I can tell you that Irv Perlberg and Alvin R. Friedman are a team. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. As are Roland Kibbe and Dean Hargrove and oh, Larry they... Cohen. Larry Cohen uh, worked separately, but apparently he crafted the story. Yeah, he had the story credit. And the other two did, oh. or the other two teams did the teleplay. Okay, there we go. Great. So, story guy probably wrote the treatment and the outline, and then these two teams worked together or worked separately. One did one draft, one did another. They might have split duties. I'm going to take the first half. You guys take the second half. Who knows? There's no telling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then, uh, but then every single one of these, there's always like the listing, especially on IMDb, of like the creators of the show also being on there as writers too. Which I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean they did the show. Yeah. I'm not sure how many of those guys actually wrote once the fi- first one was gone. In season three, I feel like maybe at best they had like an, an eye on it. Oh, okay, yeah. I can't imagine now, they're they're in the trenches. Oh no, I don't know how things work in the '70s, but nowadays all showrunners write every episode. Wow, they rewrite wow. everything. Oh, yeah. okay. So. Um, if it was the case then, then yeah, these executive producers, these showrunners were definitely doing passes on every draft and not necessarily getting credit. Well, they, they did some uneven stuff then in this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the murder itself, the whole plot itself, it seems a little complicated, not entirely well thought out to me, but then it seems mm. like it, it seems like a Jackie Cooper's character had really, really thoroughly thought about this for a long time. He'd been stewing about this campaign manager of his for a while. And, like, the ostensible, like, um, uh, motive, which was like, oh, he didn't want to give up uh, his his, uh, mistress there, you know, that wasn't entirely it. He's just been kind of resenting this guy for a long time as being his political fixer, the guy behind the scenes, and probably hearing... Um, Swafford saying a lot over the years, like, oh, that, that's me. I'm really the, the brains behind this whole operation. So he just got sick of it at a certain point. And like months ago, months before this, probably figured like, I know I'm going to kill him. I'll wait for my wife's birthday, my drunk wife's <laughs> birthday. And that's the perfect way to do this. And give him my mm-hmm. my jacket that doesn't fit. And it's, yeah, it's so strange. There's no way that jacket fit him. That was just, I was out of my chair. Yes. When yeah. I saw that, I'm like, that right. jacket is clearly too small. Right, yeah. Because Jackie Cooper's not a big guy, which is no, one of the no, things... No, no, he's a tiny fella. And stood out in this episode, I think he's the same height as Peter Falk. Yeah, who is also is, a tiny think, fella. Yeah. Right, maybe the first time we've had a killer who was the same height as Peter Falk. Right, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and then uh, Swafford is just, like, made of meat. He's just an yes. enormous... He's a side of beef, and there's no right. way... Right. So no way that would have fit. I was out of my chair. Right. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was really, a very strange plot. Yeah, I really love, though, how, how well he planned the plot. He did a great job, and everything fell into place. Like, the cop was willing to go down and get him cigars. But my yeah. favorite thing is that he got so cocky plotting, he's like, 
you know what? I'd also like to have, to continue to have that coat. So I'm going to go ahead <laughs> yes, and order right. another coat. That's insane. <laughs> like, oh, I really love that camel hair jacket. It would be a shame to lose it from bullet holes from a murder. You know, I better plan ahead. I better not wait till after the murder to get this expensive coat redone. I better plan Man, it. I'm, yeah, that was a bad I, idea. I'm nailing this planning. I, what else can I plan? I'm ahead of the, I'm ahead of here. What else can I plan? Okay, okay. Oh, I don't. Yeah. That way, okay. I don't have to bother next week stopping by the tailor. Right. I can save some time. Yeah. I can save It'd some time. If, go to the tailor. Plan ahead. It'd be great if he planned out the crime so much, but then he, like he was on the way home and he realized he forgot to get a birthday cake. Yeah. Oh shit! You got to swing by Safeway just right. real quick. Walter, his wife, is not the most observant person, because there were a lot of people in their house, and she was yeah. alone in their quiet, quiet, dark house. Didn't realize there were like a dozen of their friends in the next room for a long time. I mean, of course, she was like uh, three uh, three or four uh, glasses in, so maybe that was Yeah, it. bless her heart. To be fair, I think, I think they were out back. I think I heard them say they were, they were in the backyard, yeah. and they came they were... into the house. They yeah. were so well just to be here. fair to her. Okay. Well, okay. Sorry. I'm sorry, Mrs. Hayward. I apologize. <laughs> but she was also yeah, she's drunk. She's kind of a victim here. But she was also yeah. drunk. But yeah. Absolutely the victim here. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The whole... Yeah, the, his kind of Diane Chambersy sort of uh, mistress, who is his wife's, I guess, personal secretary. And the wife yes. doesn't seem to realize until a good deal into the episode that something's going on there. It seems like... That would have come up earlier to me. It's bit. when uh, it's when she goes into the hotel room, and Linda's leaving right after uh, Hayward has shot the wall. Which I want right. to talk more about shooting that shooting the wall in a minute. But yeah, uh, it's then roughly she realizes it, which is a little delayed. Right. It is fair to say, but again, she drinks whole like you know Gatorade coolers full of vodka. So right. bless her heart. Um, but I yeah, liked I, her. No, I, I like I like I liked your performance. I like that character. Um, I, I love they, that they, she was so conspiratorial with Columbo. Yes, I was going to say during the uh, shooting of the uh, TV commercial scene, I was like, mm-hmm. "Ooh, what do you think it is?" Like she got excited talking about it a little bit, which yeah. I thought was mm-hmm. fun. And then when Columbo actually drops on her, what's going on? Then she's horrified and frightened. Yeah, which I thought was a uh, the actress. That was a really nice switch she did with that. I thought was that was she, actually a good performance. She's really good. I can't wait to see her episode of Mrs. Columbo. Oh, she's in a Mrs. Columbo. She's in a Mrs. Columbo. Oh, that's a shame I'll never see it. But yeah, that's great. Well, Columbo's going off Netflix, so I guess we got no choice. We got to switch this up to a Mrs. Columbo podcast. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right, then. (laughs) It's going to happen. Is Baywatch on anywhere? I don't know. Speaking of of Columbo's family, one thing that struck me was Columbo mentioned (laughs) that he had a 38-year-old brother. Had the yeah, that's right. Oh, right. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. For some reason, that was interesting to me. But, I mean, it's one of those weird things going through the series, like, does he? Or does he not? Or does he just do that for the conversation? Because he, there's a lot of times where it's indicated he'll kind of invent... Um, that's true. Invent family members just because it's convenient for the situation, that's it. Uncle but he was nephews. just talking to the tailor in 38 oh, yeah, like a no random reason. age. Yeah, that's true. He wouldn't... Yeah... That's a good point. Yeah. Oh, the Taylor the yeah. Taylor shop scene is interesting too. One, it's great because the Vito Scotty's in it, and it's Vito Scotty 
not doing a very broad Italian accent like he often does in the show. But also... He should have been the dentist. Actually, yeah. Oh, that's a good... I would have liked that better. Oh, missed opportunity. I like the dentist guy, but Vito Scotti, he would have been good as a dentist. I don't know, maybe two. But, um, yeah, that, that whole tailor shop scene. And I think it was supposed to be in some sort of mall, but it seems like a very elaborate sort of little shop for some sort of mall to me. I don't know. California, yeah. maybe things are different in the 70s. I'm not sure. Oh, you mean yeah, the, 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 the clothing shop? Yeah, the clothing shop. Yeah, where they got the, yeah. the bolts of fabric that they're feeling and feeling for like 20 minutes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is soft. Oh, oh no, no, that's what I like. I like that What one. else that's is the best soft? One. Oh, hey, there we go. Camel hair? Yes. I like, too, that uh, uh, it's a weirdly framed bit because you know that Scotty eventually is going to just, like, walk away but the thing it, that makes it happen is when Columbo says, "Oh, I need this more, uh, you know, sooner than ten days," and that's when Scotty's like, "Good day," and turns on his heel. Like that's that doesn't seem like, you know, the last straw. Surely the last straw was this guy with a lit cigar handling all your fabric. Right, lit cigar, <laughs> lit cigar, stained coat, uh, right. shoes with holes in the soles. Like, oh, this guy's not. Oh, he's not going to be able to pay for one of my expensive suits. He's like. I want it in 10 days. Well, good day, sir. Like, no, no, that sucks. <laughs> you want to cut that off sooner. You would have known this is not an actual hard sale before that. Definitely. Yeah, it's just curiosity would not have taken you that far. Right. Yep. Yes, exactly. Um, so, sorry. Uh, I'm looking at notes. We're, we're rusty. We're it's, rusty. We have not done been this in two months. We have not done this since October. And it, Has it really geez. been that long? It's been since October. We've done the show. This is December. Oh, oh, we we took like a two month break because, oh, things happened. So so many things happened, um, in both life and the world at large, and so yeah, it's it's, it's just getting that hamster back uh, running the wheel, getting that thing going and that sort of thing. So I'm I'm opening it up to you folks. I've I've got like four pages of notes in front of me, but I'm I'm guessing I don't know if you guys have notes or what. But are there are there specific moments, specific things uh, that kind of uh, thought that were... Because, like, like, there was a weird thing, like, in this episode, I don't know how many times happened before. I can't recall too many. But you actually see Columbo before the murder in this episode. Yeah, I right. know that. Yeah, which is strange. Because um, Hayward has set up this whole fake thing for uh, political reasons of his life being threatened, which is just completely bullshit, it turns out, but it serves to his uh, murder alibi later on um, to go to police headquarters uh, because it's, oh, oh people, people have been threatening him and whatnot. And you just see Columbo in the background with like, it's like a bottle of orange soda looking kind of sleepy, uh, watching Hayward being followed by all of these uh, reporters and whatnot. And yeah, it's one of the few times I can recall that you actually see Columbia before the killing happens. And I mm-hmm. thought that was kind of an interesting, odd thing to do, to have him established with it from the start of the story before, feel, yeah. Yeah, I feel like they just sort of saw an opportunity, like, oh, hey, our first scene is in the police station. Right, Let's yeah. throw Columbo in there just for fun. And it yeah. was fun. No, it was neat to see him, like, oh, he, there he is at work. Because you don't actually get to see that mm-hmm. too often. He's always in the scene. But you actually get to see him at work in police HQ. And like, oh, he's kind of on the periphery of all of this. Because, yeah, he's a cop and the cops are involved. There you go. Oh, I know. Let, let's yeah. let, let's go then uh, to the crime scene. 
that whole long sequence with the, uh, I guess, uh, obviously pre-Richard Kiley, uh, police commissioner, um, yeah. who's constantly good, good, call- good callback, good callback, who's calling constantly calling for Columbo, but then getting distracted by things. But then Columbo's constantly distracted because he's actually doing the real detective work and actually doing his job, as opposed to having to deal with the glad handling because it's like a Senate uh, candidate and stuff. Uh, what did you guys think of that? Because I, I thought that was one of the best scenes of the episode. Me too. What that the fact that like Columbo's boss was there? Yeah, he boss was there, but Columbo's like constantly instructed actually doing the investigation, noticing things, talking to the beat cops, actually talking to the guy as opposed to like having to talk to like the big muckety mucks the entire time. I thought that was actually a really good thing. I thought it was it was like really filmed. You know, the the better Columbo's tend to be filmed cinematically. And this one wasn't always. Some of it really felt like a TV yeah. show. Like some whenever was, in the but hotel some room. wasn't. But that definitely was. That sequence. That seriously was. And it was really well done, too. The, it was engaging on every level. The camera and the eye was moving constantly, but it was really strong in the narrative and the fact that we were constantly like following Columbo as he passed the police chief and then would pass him again and pass him again. It, it was just fantastic to watch and a lot of fun to watch. And... It was maybe the high point of the episode, oh. which is a shame because it was about 30 minutes in. Right. Maybe so we had another 20... hour. I was like, uh, it's waiting. Yeah. Uh, okay. It didn't pick up again after that. Yeah, not entirely. No, but but I mean, it was a thing where I love when the episode actually, when the show actually focuses on Columbo being a detective and actually just picking things up, looking underneath things and noticing stuff. They actually really, really point that out as opposed to, like, the gamesmanship. I really like that. And that scene has tons of that in it. Examining the watch, stopping the uh, coroner's car, saying go in there and check underneath the sheet and see look at whatever he has to look at. Yeah, it, it was... There was a lot of that in there, and I liked that a lot. And I'm going to guess everybody else did either. <laughs> hey, great. We're so bad at this. Well, I, I feel like we're also we're talking over JD a lot. JD, do you have anything that really stood out? For you in the episode, um, got a few things. I have some notes, but uh, one thing one, I love the scenes in Columbo, and this is a good one. I feel like when he brainstorms scenarios with the perps. Oh, and they so they, they overdo it. Yeah, yeah. He's in the campaign office with uh, with Jackie Cooper, and he and he turns over a, a poster and draws a map of like the driveway and the road, and has the cars, mm-hmm. and then you know he just like playing like. I can't figure this out. Maybe you can help me. And then in doing that, he gets a, a look inside the psyche of the perp. That's a, it's a very cool thing. It's a very cool device. Like, what's, what do you suppose? How do you suppose he could do this? And then just hearing all the things that they would think about. It's, it's great. I love that. Yeah, no, it, it's cars. One, it was wonderful. Yeah, it's one of the best things about the show where they do that and just kind of just give out the rope to the murderer to, to get mm-hmm. the Oh, I think maybe it happened this way. And it's always they offer too much information. They're too specific and too desperate with it. And it's just... And you know the entire time, Columbo knows, like, oh, you did it. And just Mm -hmm. just, in his head, he's probably thinking, like, okay, whatever. Well, speaking of that, uh, you know, it's always fun to talk about when we think Columbo figured out who the killer was. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm curious what you guys think, because I think mine is hard to defend, but I'm going to stand by it. I don't think it's super early. I don't think it's right when he meets him. I'm not sure exactly okay. what it is, but I don't think it's in the first the first moments he meets him. Okay. 
I think it. I think Columbo always knows who did it right away. Always, always. I mean, I haven't seen every episode, but every episode mm-hmm. I can remember, it's like there's a reason we're seeing the scenes the first time Columbo goes over to a guy's house. Right. And that's because he knows who did it. He has a very small but strong suspicion. Clearly, this is this guy's campaign manager. There's been all this death threat stuff, probably bullshit. I'm sure this guy did it. Now mm-hmm. it's about figuring out how he did it and how to catch him. I think, honestly, he figured it out at the garage before he even met Hayward. Really? Because it was him showing up there thinking Hayward had been shot and then finding out it was just the the campaign manager wearing Hayward's coat because they had the the ID from the jacket. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just going through the math of like, well, he slipped past a police detail and slowly putting it together. And I think Columbo figures out in that darkened garage, never having met Hayward, that the most likely culprit is Hayward. You know what? Yeah. I'm wrong. You're probably right. I agree yeah. with that. Hearing that argument, I, I think, yeah, that. That's and then when he gets it. to the yeah. house, gets to the house, and he he tries to get by the basically nude drunk wife. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, keep when the he house meets cold. Hayward. Yeah. <laughs> you know, bless her. She looked great. Oh sure, and she, yeah, yeah, sure. She's like a lot of fun. Oh yeah, yeah. She she's really kept herself fit since her time in the in the Romulan army. <laughs> okay. Being the only other role I know her from. Uh, oh right, yes, okay. Yeah, I thought you meant her costuming was like Star Trek stuff, but yeah, okay, right, right. No, no. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh jeez. <laughs> and I think you know he's talking to Hayward, and he's kind of like you know so far Hayward's kind of acting like I expect criminals to act or murderist act, but he's waiting and waiting and waiting. And when Hayward does that, I'm going to lean away from the mic. Very close friend. Right. Or whatever it was <laughs> yes. he does where he yells yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's when Columbo's like, woo. Okay. Got him. Right. Cause how could you not? I, this, because of the weird device in this episode, it even feels like Columbo was suspicious of this guy in the first scene. Right. In the yeah. police in the police office. You know, he's like, what what is up with this guy? This guy's up to no good. Well I mean so so it's is interesting. It a, is it a thing because he's such an, an obvious politician, such an obvious like that kind of smarmy guy, is that does that probably hurt him? Uh what, what I mean Jackie Cooper's character. I think it's because he's he's too confident and he's got theoretically a death threat hanging over his head. Right. And Columbo must have seen this a hundred times. Oh no! And it, it's been used in other episodes too, where somebody—I mean, oh, yeah. uh, back in um, uh, the Jack Cassidy, Martin Milner episode, the first, uh, the Spielberg one, where mm-hmm. Jack Cassidy tries to put it off like, "Oh, well, no, it's probably some mafia connections." He's going to do a mafia. That's been used quite a bit, like in a few episodes, where like, "Oh, they were going to do something with the mafia. They had connections to the mob, so somebody's going to kill them. So it must have been the mob that did it." So right. So yeah. So Colum- you're well, right. Here's that see this many or you know, times. maybe maybe it was the dentist putting that thought in his head about Yeah, they always think it's the mafia. Yeah. Well you know what? You might have just saved the uh, dentist scene because then it does I tie like to in. Do what I can. It does tie in, maybe. We'll we'll say Excellent. it ties in. So all the ex- these extraneous padding scenes, mm-hmm. maybe they all ended up contributing to the whole and not just making ninety minutes seem like two hours. Let's hop over to IMDb so I can quickly update the writers section and put my name in there too. Oh sure, please. <laughs> As I quickly make it make sense. Yeah, I'll no, that'll, that'll work. That'll be fun. Yeah, give yourself a credit. 
Yeah. The, 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 the mob right. thing is interesting because back then the mob, I think, was a real was seen as a real problem in society, where it's not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. So right. maybe just the implication that a tough on crime candidate would be being tough on the mob. I don't. Maybe that's why the mob is after me because they, I don't feel like they talk about all oh, the mob is after me too much. No, well, I mean, it's just they, sort of they, like I'm getting death yeah. threats. Well, I mean, they address it a little bit in that it turns out it was just pretty much a scam that he and mm-hmm. his uh, campaign manager had set up just to get publicity, uh, pretty right. much. Um, and this is... Uh, I'm, so under, 70, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm just thinking 74 is... Um, I wish I had my absolute number on this, but you know, Richard Nixon pursued a war on crime. And yeah, I know. And that ended up breaking up a lot of the the big families, which was it turned out was not what you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I think the mafia was huge because they were so in the news for getting like, you know, arrested and sent to jail. And that's that's probably why it pops up in so many of the TV shows of the time. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know that it was a common person's concern, but it was certainly very cinematic. Right, mm-hmm. and, but then also, I mean, for politicians, it was a great thing to latch on to. It's like, oh, I'm sure. going to fight that. Without, while at the same time, they were probably taking lots of money uh, from various groups. And right. Fine. But you give the lip service to it, get elected again, like, I wish there was something we could do, but they're too powerful. Oh, well, I'm going to try <laughs> harder. And then you keep getting money and just keeps going and going and going, uh, much like many other things political. Um, I'm going to get into politics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I liked, um, oh, there's one line I, I wrote down um, with the uh, uh, the mistress, uh, the secretary to um, mm-hmm. Hayward's wife, uh, where Columbo actually kind of confronts her and talks to her at the California Human Relations Society groundbreaking, whatever the hell it was, where there's a great line where Columbo says, I'm sure that's what attracted you to him. And there's this pause as a candidate, where it's so clear that Columbo knows exactly what the hell's going on there. Yeah. Well, what's what's great about her is there's a wardrobe choice that I didn't really understand the full extent of until somebody mentioned it on IMDb, which is she's literally running around in a sweater with little red A's on it. What? Really? Yeah, for like oh, half the episode. Oh, my God. Oh, I didn't see that. I noticed that. Oh, that's fun. Little scarlet letters and everything. Oh, another line I wrote down. Um, uh, when Columbo goes to uh, Hayward's house when he's um, recording the TV commercial and just distracts the hell out of him. And the TV commercial, uh, directed by Mr. Carlin from the Bob Newhart show, by the way. Uh, which right. is a weird little cameo. Uh, but um, Hayward starts sort of like interrupting Columbo and complimenting him and all this other kind of stuff. And Columbo says at one point, he's like, oh, yeah, you make me feel so important, I forgot what I was going to say. But the way he says it, one. like, he knows, like, oh, that's your little trick. That's your little trick as a politician to try to distract people, to get them going off and not realize what they were going to talk about. It, yeah, I thought that was, like, a really, uh, really nice moment. I wish there were more of that in this episode. It's a shame, because it, it's a really great kind of structural thing to have some sort of politician actually murder somebody be arrogant enough to think they can get away with it and yeah i don't know i just wish a lot more of it had come together than it did it, it's yeah it's strange it's very uneven as you said john it is it's you know watching it two or three times for this i i got to like it more and more 
but not not I can't really elevate it above an uneven rating. So yeah, I know. And, and one thing I noticed too, um, the big uh, election night thing. For some reason, Dixieland music, which <laughs> the, the '90s episode uh, with uh, McGowan, uh, where he gets he's like some sort of political fixer guy. That guy's election day thing. Dixieland band. What is it with Dixieland music? That seems like it's a it's, perfect goddamn music for some sort of TV or movie stupid yeah, election it's night thing. Yeah, a lot of get Columbos. It. It's always in Colombo too. And I was like, like, why? Why got, Dixieland music with uh, political things? I don't get it. Why is that the go-to like stupid election night music? Because is it just so kind of like whitewashed and innocuous? Like, well, it's not quite jazz and it's not rock. But it's all right. kind of happy, like guys in weird straw boat yeah, hats. Just innocuous all-American music, right? Yeah, yeah. You should look into that, though. Like, if is there many political scenes in different TV shows that I, use Dixieland music, or is it like a Columbo in joke? Yeah, I don't know. Like, it seems like vaguely, I kind of think that I remember other TV shows and films like they use Dixieland stuff for that, which would be a weird thing to look into. To like, why? Why is that? Do, do real did real politicians for decades use Dixieland music, and that's what they got I, it from? I have no I, idea. I have I have an opinion, and of course, it's rooted in societal endemic uh, endemic racism. Yeah, sure, why not? But uh, it is a way to have jazz without black people in it. Yeah, no, that they, yeah, no, exactly. That's probably what it is. Yeah, yeah. You get you get the uh, sort of excitement of jazz, but without that unpleasant reminder of things. Plus, it's. It's the like if you're gonna sing "Happy Days Are Here Again," which almost every goddamn political themed television show puts in at yeah, some point. Right. You you can have a nice little Dixieland version of it. Right, 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 right. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> well, there's a graduate of, paper. What's that, my friend? Oh, speaking of oldie time things, one thing that struck me in this episode when he's in the garage talking to the foxy mechanic mm-hmm. and yes. he's trying to figure out if he can pay with a check. Right. Oh yes! Like, I don't have my, I don't have my checkbook. Counter check. Have any counter checks? I had to look that up. Which I looked up, and yeah, you did too. It's you like so basically, that. you could people, you could just have blank checks and like write in your account number, mm-hmm. and they'll send it to the bank. That's crazy. I know. That's it's, cra- it seems... it's crazy. What, what I've I... had to do that a few times. I don't know if that you've done it. You've actually done yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. Back in, I haven't done it out here, but in Tucson, it came up every now and again. Really. Yeah, I can't conceive of such a thing. Like a place would doing that now. You can you can apparently write a check on anything. This is like theoretically you can write a check on it. You can like a paper bag, a pizza box. You can write a check as long as you I can. I guess write that makes it. sense. Yeah. yeah, as long as it has a routing number and the account number and on you it. Sign yeah, it, you sign it, your signature check. and stuff. Yeah, it's to make sure if yeah, your ass can cash it. Yeah. Yeah, a check is basically yeah, a promissory note. So, yeah. huh. what's the difference between something you sketch out yourself and that dumb book of? Garfield pictures with official numbers on it. <laughs> right. Hey, exactly. Come on. <laughs> you guys don't have Garfield checks? I don't remember. Uh, I, don't need, I haven't used a check in so long. I got Garfield, just... Garfield checks and Heathcliff balances. Stop. <laughs> 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 uh, that was a good joke. That was a fun joke. Let's just take a second. Okay. Uh, All right. Good. The good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Uh, other specific moments you folks had from this episode, good or bad? Because it's... Uh, I like what Columbo's talking about his jacket. I forgot when. Maybe it was at the tailor. But he says, 
There's still a lot of wear in this fella. Yeah, that's a good line. Yeah. That made me chuckle. Yeah. Um, I like uh, I like the boom mic shadows. Just mic shadows all over this thing. Oh, I didn't notice those. I was so oh thrown by the dialogue. I didn't notice. There's a really bad one when the wife first lets him lets Columbo into the house. And it's like the uh, the upper left-hand corner of the screen. If you divided the screen into like maybe eight parts, at least one and a half were given over to that. The mic <laughs> shadow is really intense. And then it was great as the the camera just begins to move and whoop, the mic just vanishes. But it was a pretty significant one. And there's like two or three other ones in the episode. Well, actually, uh, J.D. bringing up the uh, clothes thing, his jacket, because uh, that's a classic uh, Columbo thing where like, he's dressed shabbily, yeah, we got it. But also, like, other, like, uh, Columbo recurring things. The car uh, being a piece of shit, mm-hmm. that's definitely a huge part of this episode. But uh, this old man coming up, coming in uh, the episode, uh, while the uh, Hayward and his um, mistress are making out in Hayward's office, Columbo's sitting outside, and he's just doing a little bit of this old man doing that. But then later on, Hayward himself, uh, I think somewhere around the scene in the... Um, filming the commercials backyard he's whistling it which seemed weird because huh. usually you don't huh. have a character who's not Columbo doing Columbo's theme so I thought that was really interesting that they threw that in Columbo's really gotten into did. his head yeah maybe yeah. that was it I don't know what the thought was behind that but yeah he's doing it a little bit and I thought that it just kind of it threw me for a second that he was doing it not him yeah yeah I didn't I didn't even pick up on that that's pretty good yeah, it's, it's, oh, as, it's as they're checking his makeup in the yard, in the backyard. Hmm. Uh, another funny car bit was when he was talking about his car, and he was like, yeah, my wife has her own car, but it's it's nothing flashy. Right? <laughs> it's just for, <laughs> for, just for transportation. Around. That's a good one. I like that, I like that yep. when Columbo is like in love with his life. That's a good, that's yes. a good thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sleeping, sleeping on a couch using uh, newspapers as a blanket. With the press guys, <laughs> I love that. That's Columbo at his classy best. And the question, the question going through my mind is like, is he really tired, or is he putting on that much of an act? I think right. he was really tired until he found it. Like, I, I found the scene odd. I think I posted a Twitter like a screenshot as I was watching this of him staring at the phone. I thought, ah, oh, Columbo staring at the phone, and then I realized later, like, no, he's staring at the phone, looking for the low light to go on. Right, mm-hmm. and at the time watching we the scene, I didn't know what the hell it was. Like, oh, it's a sleepy Columbo looking at a phone. And later on, I was like, oh, that that's good. <laughs> that that was actually a good edit. That was a good shot. They did that. Speaking of this, I guess there's there's kind of a fun thing in that you know Columbo affects <laughs> incompetence or bumbling or thick headedness, but he was actually dealing with kind of a dumb cop in uh, I think Sergeant. Uh, the guy who was guarding the room. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah right, right. Oh, I think I think is Robert Carnes, the actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, you know, he comes back periodically during the episode. He's obviously really interested in making up for this horrible, stupid mistake he made of leaving the candidate alone. But th- that's Columbo actually dealing with kind of a lazy, actually kind of bumbling cop. Right. Yeah. And, that's what everyone perceives Columbo as being. So yeah. Right. So it was neat seeing him, and like, you get that contrast, too, that, like, Columbo, as a bumbler, still seems hyper-competent, comparatively. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, 
I look at my notes. I forgot to mention one thing. That, so that whole sequence uh, where Columbus goes to Hayward's house while Hayward is shooting uh, the commercial, it reminded me a lot of another episode, Identity Crisis, uh, where he goes to McGowan's house and McGowan's playing uh, Columbus' wife's favorite song and serving the f- like very expensive wine and the food. And the entire scene, by the end of it, the dominance of the murderer over Columbo just completely flips on its head. And I think that the scene in this, where Columbo goes out to Hayward's house and Hayward's doing all his politicians' tricks on him and trying to distract him, and Hayward feels like he's got the upper hand, but then by the end of it, Columbo just is gone without a word, and he's completely freaked out Hayward, completely freaked out Hayward's wife. I felt like it was really similar to that, where... The guy felt like, oh, I got this, uh, this, this dumb old cop completely hoodwinked. He doesn't know. But by the end of it, uh, the guy's just shook. And it just is with Columbo barely even doing anything because he just plays yeah. him so well. So it reminded me a lot of that, uh, that, uh, McGowan scene. Now, John, you said earlier you wanted to talk a bit about the, um, uh, the faked, uh, assassination yeah, attempt. I, uh,. <laughs> I'm having a lot of trouble thinking about this one. So it's it's Los Angeles, right, mm-hmm. where this is taking place. And they're in a high-rise hotel. Uh, uh, it's not a super old hotel. I don't think we actually learn how old it is. So I don't think it's an all-brick-and-steel uh, contraption. Right. But he fucking shoots a bullet that cleanly goes through glass and then burrow, burrows into a wall. Yeah, that would have gone through like five rooms. Exactly. Yeah. This plan is dependent on him not accidentally murdering like right. the, the honeymooning couple <laughs> in the room next door. Right. That's a huge gamble. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, you know I didn't get out of the chair. I got out of the chair for the jacket, but not for that. <laughs> but it still chair. seems like that's like that a expression. bit. Get out of the chair. I, yeah. I like to get out of the chairs. Um, but anyway, yeah, that uh, I don't see that one working. I also had a. Well, it, was a of, it was a weak little gun, so maybe he just knew. Yeah. It would, it would, it would go through the window, and that would that would you know ruin. Uh, that's too much to know. Maybe he's too much that to know. Yeah. A few times. Yeah, it's kind of tough. Like also not you know like you're he was really close to the to the glass, and he was really counting on it not shattering or spider webbing. Or yeah. making enough noise of shattering right. glass to get people like, hey, what happened? Like, oh, I don't know. This glass I guess is broke. There's two other things that stick with me about it. So there's there's a lot that can go wrong there. And he's awful lucky it went right. Uh, the second thing is when he lights the firecracker. Oh. Isn't there a yeah. firecracker on the balcony? Yeah, there? I thought the same exactly. thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's I, a problem. I figured, he'd, I figured he'd light it and throw it in the air. You know? Right, or just, right yeah. which that's a good idea. Yeah, kids do that all but, the time. Uh, and I think the other, like, the other thing is that uh, I know in, in cop shows it's really a thing where you know, you fire a gun a few times, and then you smell the barrel. Like two hours later, you smell the barrel, and like, oh, I can smell cordite. This has been fired recently. Guns actually stink a little bit when they've been used. So even putting it in that briefcase, he would have walked out, and somebody would have been like, "Why am I smelling matches?" Uh, yeah. The, yeah. Like I was when he. I was hoping the briefcase, like just for this extra bit. Of, uh, of veracity or uh, what's the word gravitas uh, for gravitas that it had been filled with like coffee beans or something or even rice or anything that would have absorbed like some of the smell 
Or it would have actually night. been smoking through the cracks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what have been crazy. Like, oh, here we go. Here's my smoking papers. Thank you. There's, those there's those been... are the scientific realities, though, that you have to get out of your head to enjoy I crime guess. shows. Right. Because sure, it's, yeah. it's, it's easier to get rid of those than to think about, now, why the heck is that full of coffee grounds and rice? That's a fair... That well, that's, any... yeah. that's kind of a Columbo thing, though, because usually if you see the... On the episodes where you see the villain preparing everything, there's usually like a, why is he unrolling those cigars? Why is he putting saran wrap on that wire? And everything is like you slowly piece it together. But they did, they obviously had to spend time in a clothing shop with a broken down car at a garage and in a dentist's office. <laughs> yes. And couldn't possibly spend the time. What I was kind of really hoping would happen is that he would walk out of the office with his briefcase and in a real Frank Drebin kind of thing, like they would just conduct their business and there'd be a dead guy who just been shot through the wall, just lying <laughs> on the floor. That's what I was really hoping for. Oh my god, someone's been noticed. shot in room 315. Oh yeah, god. nobody notices it, they just walk out, just they're used to it. <laughs> yeah, there's a honeymoon couple in that next room who've both right. been dead since like at 3 o'clock that afternoon. Either that or... And nobody like, finds him for another week. When they're they're checking him in and they say, uh, Senator Hayward, if you could do us a favor, you are shooting up a lot of our rooms. <laughs> if you wouldn't mind this time around. So, uh, to, to kind of start to pull things around, mm-hmm. uh, that's going around. Um, so, uh, JD, overall, uh, what, <laughs> how, what did you think of this one? I mean, it was a fine Columbo episode. They're all really good. I always really enjoy watching Columbo. Uh, this one didn't necessarily uh, offend me. It didn't <laughs> offend me, but I... I I enjoyed watching it, you know? It's always great watching Columbo. All those little bits and things that he does. He's such, it's such a clever show. He's such a clever guy. Yeah, no, I mean, overall, it, it was, yeah, it's one of those things where it was like a, it was solidly okay. Hmm. Like, it wasn't uh, one of the worst ones I've seen, but it wasn't one of the <coughs> best ones I've seen. It's just, it's there in the middle, where, like, mm-hmm. there were enough good bits where I was like, oh, okay, oh, that was good, that was a good clever thing, that was a good fun thing, oh, that's a good uh, villain thing. But then there were enough things where you're like, eh, all right, sure, whatever. That's, that's why I was, like, shocked at all the writing credits. Or maybe I felt like that was maybe it, because there's a lot of people just working at stuff, and maybe they had trouble with it. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I well, thought with, the, with, JD's, tr- with JD's additional information, I think we can figure out the pathology there, which is one writer delivered the story, uh, or a, a writing team did the original teleplay, and then it ran short, and so they probably brought in the other team to do the filler. To do so, uh, okay, to stretch it out a little bit. Yeah, yeah and, and it's that was a weird thing that it just it felt like there were, there were a bunch that are two hour long episodes, and you can tell that they really had to add stuff in to make it a two-hour episode, fit in more commercials, all that stuff. And the entire time watching this, that's what I felt like this was. And to find, yeah, it's like a 90-minute one. It's like, oh, it, it, it was surprising. It's, it's a weird episode. I yeah. like I like Jackie Cooper a lot. I thought he was great. The wife was great. Um, but yeah, it's just strange. It was, it's like, okay, but just something felt slightly off about it. Uh, John, you, what do you think? Uh, before we get going, I wanted to, to mention, though, that uh, we've got some family connections that we failed to address. Oh, right, uh, yes. Uh, Boris Segal, who is the director for this, his daughter is Katie Segal, and Katie Segal is an extra in this yeah. episode. So if you're watching yeah. it on Netflix, you can go keep an eye out for a secretary in the campaign headquarters, and that's that's young, that's young Katie Segal. 
Yeah. And uh, of course, um, uh, uh, Joanne Linville was uh, our wife in this episode, and we're all familiar with Larry Linville, uh, Frank Wait. Burns on Mash. And uh, oh, they're not. That's, that's his wife, or yeah. what? Oh, wow. No, they're I not. Re- they're not. They're not related at all. I just oh, wanted to sandbag thank you. Thank you. Thanks. No Johnny. problem. Thank you. Go to hell. Uh, anyway, so went until February now. Uh, sorry, Lisa. Sorry, Pat. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I just since we only have ten listeners, we may That's as well right. address them by names. Exactly. Yes. Uh, it's like like a romper room. We can just look through the magic mirror. Yeah. There you go. So a lot of stuff was great about this episode. I really love the scene where Columbo's investigating around the garage. I feel like if we had had a podcast just dedicated to those whatever eleven minutes. That it would be incredibly yeah, worth it. Yeah, it was good. It was a very good it scene. It was really, really solid. And then, you know, spinning wheels and, and bits that didn't make sense and bits that were a little obvious. And um, I, uh, I, I've mentioned before that there are things that I think make a Columbo episode really good and make a really good villain. And one of the things about the villain that works is when, it, when the relationship he has with Columbo evolves. That's usually what happens in the Magoan episodes. That's what happens in the Culp episodes where they start off antagonistic, then wheedling, then coercing, or whatever. And that didn't really happen in with Jackie Cooper. He was kind of on an even keel the whole time. Yeah, he got nervous a lot, but that's it. Yeah, but it yeah. never really changed. And he still treated Columbo the same way every time. So that that takes away from it a little bit. It ha- It's still like J.D. says, it's a fun show, it's innovative, it's intriguing, there's always some clever stuff going on, so it's always worth watching. This isn't a bad episode, no. it's just, it's it's come and go, so I'd have to give it 70% of the precincts record, uh, reporting. All right, there we go. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give it 48% of the precincts reporting in San Luis Obispo, <laughs> California City. Yeah. Davis, called out Davis coming in with... Yeah, man, I actually liked that quite a bit for some reason. Well, uh, the dropping of the California city names. Yeah, yeah. and doing the doing okay. the precincts reporting, and I don't know why it wasn't really relevant, but it was a nice bit of chatter. Right. No, and also it was only constantly in the background. And I always wonder that guy how long he had to be sitting in some studio, and how much they had to record of him just doing this. It's just gonna be background stuff. Oh my god, there's one more thing I have like to mention. Sorry, hours. RJ. Yeah. RJ, before you do your re- your review and your summation, this oh, episode. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you, no, right. I would. I would. Uh, yeah, no, I did already. But go ahead, okay, John. I thought you were going to send us out. But anyway, uh, this episode was broadcast on November fourth, nineteen seventy three, which is one year to the date before the gubernatorial election. Oh. That, that actually got Ronald Reagan out and brought J- uh, Jerry Brown in. So I oh, thought weird. I would oh, wow, okay. wrap that up. There we up. go. See, it's, it's, yeah. They did that one, and then this one is like a month after uh, we elected that dude in the yeah, country. Dude. So there we go. That, Pete, that fella. Pete Lebowski, our that guy. president, dude. Uh, all right, well, uh, JD, thank you very much for coming back. Uh, we will definitely have you back again uh, to do a 90s episode, I hope. Uh, what? I think I know the answer to this already. Yeah. But uh, where should people go these days to see what's going on with you now? Oh, like follow me on Twitter at JD Rizmar. That's J D R Y Z N A R. You can check out the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. Yes, on iTunes, FeralAudio.com. Yeah, uh, and then look for the show on Adult Swim Hot Streets. Oh, wait, what's yeah. this? Oh, what's, what's, what's this? What's this now? I have not heard about this. What is this deal? My friend Brian made a pilot for Adult Swim 
cast me as one of the main dudes. What? And then he got picked up for 10 episodes. Holy crap, yeah. Hot Streets. I didn't know about this. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Uh, Scott is... Chernoff from Channel 101's also in it. And oh. so is Justin Roiland. Dang. It's a hot show. Very good. Holy crap. And, and when does that start again? Uh, they just aired the pilot last week, oh, but no, the series hasn't even started. The series is being written right now. Okay. started recording. I will go and look for that uh, when we're done recording. Um, well, that's awesome. Uh, John, uh, yes, any sir. announcements? Anything coming up? Uh, I am working on a podcast, but I uh, I had to I had to bail on it a little bit because I was uh, personal stuff. But uh, we're going to see that we we'll see about launching that in January, and I'll tell okay. you more about that when it comes around. Sure. And sure. Uh, if you would like to go, if you enjoyed my previous book, The League of Regrettable Superheroes, you can uh, now find for uh, pre-order on Amazon the Legion of Regrettable Supervillains, the natural sequel. Oh, and it's it's available now for pre-order. It right? is. Well, it's on pre-order. It comes out March twenty third, but you can oh. hop on Amazon and and start getting your orders in. Great, wonderful. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you. Uh, for getting the program. Um, that's true for this time around. Uh, if you want to listen to uh, past episodes of the show, you go to jomtpodcast.com. They're all up there. Or, of course, iTunes or Google Music or whatever podcast listening app you have. We're on all of them. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter for updates and uh, retweets of things that other people on the internet talk about uh, regarding Columbo, you can follow us jomtpodcast on Twitter. Uh, the Tumblr, too. Uh, John posts screen caps, his further thoughts about the episodes. Those are up there as well. Uh, I think that is also JMT Podcast, right? Yes. 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 I don't know what the hell's going on anymore. We went through a lot of trouble to do that, make sure everybody's JMT yeah, Podcast. Yeah, JMT Podcast, every single thing, go across the deal. Uh, that's where you find us on the internet. Uh, if you want to send us an email, and that's how we found out from one of our faithful listeners, uh, I think... What, last Friday night about the uh, yeah. Netflix giving the 86 to Columbo. Uh, thank you, Pat. Pat. We don't know how to say your last right, name, Pat, but thank yes. you, Pat. Um, the Columbo <laughs> at thecitydesk.net. Uh, send us questions and whatnot, and we also, like, uh, whenever we get uh, con, uh, uh, comments. Gosh darn it. Comments. comments. On, it's been a long day already. Uh, comments on our uh, episodes and that sort of thing. Uh, that's the program. I'm R.G. White. I'm John Morris. And we will uh, be back uh, sooner rather than later. And yes, well, no, it just took a can, while. Can you do that? Can you do that on an up register? No, but I meant it. I meant it as an apologetic tone to our listeners, okay. like uh, sooner rather than later. Last time was later, but yeah, that's that. Uh, good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
little bit. Thanks, Doug. Sure. 